Hi, I'm Josh Gibbons. And I'm Stan Gibbons. Sorry, I thought you were going to introduce me. <laughs> when have I ever done that? Let's just start over. Wait, wait, wait. We, that's how we used to do it. But when have we done it on like the last I don't know. 15 episodes? I don't know. <laughs> All right, we're going to start over. Yep. Hello, and welcome to Rescuing Churches with Stan and Josh Gibbons. This is the official podcast of 614 Ministries, where we exist to renew vision and restore hope at struggling churches across the country. With over 80% of churches in decline and 1,500 pastors a month battling depression, we strive to equip members and encourage ministers to pursue new directions of stability and growth. I'm Josh Gibbons. And I'm Stan Gibbons. And welcome to this episode of Rescuing Churches, where it's always a great adventure discussing church vitalization and pastoral life. Learn more at 614ministries.org. And speaking of pastoral life. And great adventures. And great adventures. No pastor's life, especially if you're a senior aging pastor, would be complete without that weekly moment in the pulpit, right, Dad? That's right. Great regularity. You have to come up with something to preach every Sunday. Every single Sunday. So you've got to get up and deliver a message to your people, which is something that you hopefully spent ample time preparing. That's a big ticket for me is, is pastors spending enough time in their in their personal study. And we'll talk about that some as we get through the podcast here. But, you know, every Sunday with we finished we're this is sunday afternoon where we're doing the podcast you know next sunday's coming i've got to be preparing my mind for next sunday i've got to have time to you know get the illustrations together get the point of the passage you know make sure it's exegeted well ahead of time and all that it's all happening now to be ready for next sunday and as soon as we're done with next sunday you're on to the next it's going to cycle back around that's correct so you got to make, make sure that you understand it so that you're able to feed your flock. Mm-hmm. And knowing that that's coming every single week can sometimes be a little daunting, a little overwhelming. Yeah. Some of the younger pastors that we've talked to and several that I've worked with, you know, after a while, you, you, you think you got a whole series you can work on and it's going to last. But, you know, if you do a 10 week series, it's 10 weeks. And, oh, yeah. You know, you still got 40 more to well, go for the end of the year. And, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've only been in First Timothy for the last seven years. So. Yeah. But but that's a good point. I love I love teaching through a book. We're, we've been in Timothy all year. Yes. All we year. Have. I started yeah. I started the year in Timothy. You know, maybe that maybe First it just Timothy. feels like longer because we're in 2020. Right? 2020 I mean, is yeah, a 20, difficult year. Has felt yeah. like it's, <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it's strange year. We just like we just had a hurricane come right up our bay. So, yep, we're not even going to talk about hurricanes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but the the point is, every if you if you want to be a in the pulpit when you're in the pulpit every Sunday, you have to be able to work out where you're going with that. And you know, some pastors are kind of built for that randomizing thing where it's just whatever's on their heart, whatever they're led to. I think you you create a much healthier environment at church when you plan your year in the pulpit. I have a whole calendar planning thing I do. It's based on an Excel sheet uh, that I created and 
something I had from college that we just morphed into something more contemporary. Uh, and I've shared it with a number of pastors, but the, but the idea is to think through your calendar year and also think through what your people need and where your church is, whatever the focus your church needs for them to grow spiritually, you need to be preaching in those categories for us. The whole year it was to is to deal with Timothy. Paul's teachings of Timothy very much apply to where our church has been, and they're going to create a healthier church environment for right. us. Right. So our our local church here in Alabama, being Northside, and and I think you know even for seasoned ministers like yourself, th- that can still be. It's not just the young ministers um, that get intimidated or overwhelmed by that at times. Even for seasoned ministers, it can be an intimidating task. When you think about the fact that I've got to have a series or a set of sermons ready to go for several months at a time. Well, we're in First Timothy chapter 6, which right. is the last chapter, <laughs> and I'm already having to be thinking, where, where, where are next? we going next? And right. am, I, am I preparing for that? Do I have right. the... You know, am I beginning to create the foundation for what we're doing next and where we need to go and all that? So it's never not on your page. Right. It's never not in your to-do list. I mean, you can get an assistant to preach for you a couple of times. You sure, can, sure. you know, do a rotation of elders for a couple of weeks or whatever, but it's coming back to well, you. and It's coming right back. Yeah, and hopefully if, if you're really grounded in this as a pastor, it's one of those things that's keeping you up at night and, and you're wanting to spend time in the word and wanting to you want you want to hear from god exactly about the direction god has for your sheep they're his sheep uh on loan to us (laughs) and and our job is to lead them with the tools he gives us and the instruction he gives us so we need to hear from god you're right and that's a big thing leonard ravenhill talks a lot about that as the, the pastors need to be on his knees praying a lot seeking the direction of God in order to get healthy, uh, in order to hear from God so you can lead your people well. So that those are big things. But but I love the 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 opportunity to teach through a book. When you pick a book, you know, whatever book you pick, uh it actually it actually does it, it locks you in for a while. Um, right. you can you need to break it up sometimes. But like we've been in Timothy all year. Um so, so once you pick a book, it kind of gives you direction, sure. you know, but then there are times where you want to take that book and break it into series. We talked about that in a previous podcast back in April. Yeah, we did. Uh, so that, that'll help you if you want to go back and listen to some of that. Um, yeah, we've got, we've got an episode called, uh, how to prepare a sermon series. That's if right. you want to track back into our archives, you can find that and we'll drop the link to that in the show notes. And, and it, you know, you give the people ownership. Like when we went through Galatians several years ago, took us a couple of years to do that. Yeah. It took us a while to get through. But, but it's fine. It's fine to take your time and your people take ownership of that book. And I right. feel like they know the purpose, the meaning. They feel like you've been in, you know, you're, you've been in the church itself and you've heard from Paul by the exactly. time you're done, if you do a good job with exactly. it. So, and, so whether it's Jonah or Genesis or, you know, Isaiah, you know, you're, you're giving people ownership of a book. When you walk through that, um, so I, so I think it's good to walk through that. And then I do think every once in a while you need to do topical series. You know, you need to teach on grace or teach on peace, anxiety issues, whatever whatever's there for you. Um, I just I don't like, and I've watched a bunch of these online in the last month or two, um, just catching different people's sermons here and there. But I don't like these younger pastors that are. That they're just preaching cultural topical issues. It's almost like a Dr. Phil Oprah thing, you know? I mean, they've got this, 
they've got this help thing they're trying to help you with. Well, they're trying they're trying to be trendy. It's the it's the trendy and crowd pleasing topic. Yeah, yeah, and and I think the scriptures are what's going to help somebody. I think the scriptures are what the church is supposed to be all about. Right. So if you have an illustration from Doctor Phil or Oprah, right, um, great. But don't build your sermon or your style around any of that, or even around the cultural issues that surround all that. Um, you know, I, I think we can help couples. We can help men and women grow in their faith if we ground them in the word. And so part of what I want to emphasize today is that the pastor has to be in the word a lot, settled in the word, and we have to preach very specific issues, um, specifically Christ and him crucified, as Paul would say. Absolutely. I I think one of the words that a lot of people use today that can become dangerous if we're not careful is relevant. You have some pastors that say, well, I'm just trying to stay relevant by preaching such and such a topic or um, speaking in such and such a way or having a certain style when I preach or teach mm-hmm. or, or teach on a certain, this is just what's relevant. Yeah, and I felt that pull all my life yeah, as a pastor. And, and there's nothing, so, sometimes there's nothing wrong, right, with dealing with an issue that's in our culture if it's something that we need to address biblically, you know. That yeah, if it's, it's glaring, yeah. you know, the Sunday after 9-11, you probably don't need to continue in your series on Isaiah. Right. Unless the passage <laughs> right. has to do with, you know, a disaster. Exactly. Which it exactly. could in Isaiah. Um, but, but it, you know, the Sunday after 9-11, you, you know, when the towers fell, every pastor had to get focused on, you know, we've got to deal with our people that are in a panic. They're anxi- anxious. The COVID anxiety, we, we dealt with that sure. in the pulpit. Sure. You know, people got very anxious about a pandemic right. until we learned what that was and realized it doesn't mean what we think it means. So, so all of that has changed. Um, it, we've been through some really big storms. We just went through a smaller storm here. Hurricane Sally just kind of ran over the top of our city. Right. In our neighboring cities, um, but we've been through some big ones. You know, the just the oh, yeah. just the breeze off of Katrina wiped out a bunch right. of our stuff. It did, and and we've had Rita and some other ones come right right up our way. So um, sometimes on those Sundays after a storm, it's just a regather and focus on that day and that event, and everybody's okay and what God how God speaks in storms uh, and what to do after an emergency. Right. You know, I've preached sermons along those things, so I'm okay with the. The one-offs like that occasionally. What I'm concerned about is that we we don't get caught up in this trendy thing you were talking about and not teach the Word of God. It's the Word of God that helps people. It's not the trends. It's not the cultural intellect. It's not the cultural dynamics. It's the Word of God. And we need the Word of God to be faithfully, faithfully taught. And then in that, you know, Paul says, I preach Christ and Him crucified and myself a bondservant. And I think those two sides of that coin um, are very important for us. Um, We don't preach ourselves, Paul says, but we preach Christ Jesus, our Lord. So it's his full title. We need to preach his lordship. We need to preach who he is as, as Jesus, the son of God, walking on the earth, saving mankind, serving mankind as a servant. Um, But we need to preach hard about who Christ is and that he was crucified for us. And even in a series, in our Timothy series, we need to we need to emphasize the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ every chance we get. 
Um, we, we preached on money today. <laughs> it's a weird topic. Yeah, that was real on, popular. Yeah, on the love of money today. Um, had some good comments about it, um, but but not to not to be in love with money. Good churches cannot be in love with money. Good church people cannot be in love with money. And we preached on the dangers of that and all that good stuff. Right. Made a whole lot of us feel really guilty. Yeah. Good. Especially those of us that bought, you know, very expensive computers, <laughs> like our silent partner, Michael. Yeah. Who's going to edit that right out? <laughs> Master editor just... It's okay. It's okay. Mine's twice as expensive as his. He's deleting your... He's deleting that even as you speak. But, but in truth, we preached on that. Why is, why is it so important that we not love money? Because the Bible says we can't have any other... No other idols. Then and we'll beca- go buy a whole bunch of Apple products. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> but we can't have idols in our life. We exactly. can't have idols. Exactly. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the only thing worth giving your full loyalty to. Tell Why? Me. Because Tell he died on the cross, preached the cross. He died on the cross, save you from your sins. Any passage we preach, you can tie it back to the cross if you think through the levels of yeah, it. Yeah, that's something that you've pointed out a lot in your own sermons and having been your son for as long as I have and listen, growing up listening to your sermons. You've been, my, you've been my son your whole life. Yeah, it's it's just like you you tie everything back to the cross. You you can preach a sermon on any topic mm-hmm. and always tie it back to the cross. Um, and you, you've noted here that so many pastors, like we just talked about a minute ago, even if they start to preach on something else, they tend to veer towards those trendier topics. Why? Why do you think that is? Is it? Is it? Is it solely because those topics are popular, or is sometimes there maybe like a? Sometimes I wonder this: Is it just easier for a pastor, a, a pastor, to preach on something that's trendy? Because if you're not exegeting the word, it, it's not as much work. I think there's more flash to it. I think it's the appeal. I think you're. I think they're possibly some guys and I've been caught up in this where you think, well, if I, if I preach on this, it'll draw people's attention to it. And we might draw more people into our church or more people, more traffic to our webpage or our podcast or whatever. So, so I need to preach on a hot topic. We can can get a bigger audience. Yeah. Let's get a hot topic. But, but that's, again, that's preaching for the wrong thing. Right. And in the wrong direction, the wrong reason. Yeah. 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 The motive has to be right. It's really not the focus, the focus of good preaching is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, preach Christ and him crucified. You know, and then the the second level of that is to preach Christ and him crucified and ourself, that's the pastor, the ministry right. team as a bond servant. Yeah. And a bond servant's the lowest form there is. Right. You know, bond servant if if you if the Romans came around and took a census in a home, they would not count the bond servants. They could count paid servants and count other servants, but the bond servant didn't even count. He was considered cattle. He's he's livestock. And and Paul says, as a pastor, as a minister and a shepherd, I need to consider myself the bond servant of my church, which means I lower myself to them and I serve them at the lowest levels possible. And I think ministers love to do the opposite. You know, I sat in a room full of ministers a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning, fantastic prayer meeting, where we just dealt with our humility issues and we dealt with our our pride issues, really. (laughs) We humbly dealt with our pride issues. You've talked about the dangers of spiritual pride a lot. You actually referenced it in a sermon not too long ago, and you did it as a personal illustration. I remember you you Mm -hmm. talked about your own personal struggles with spiritual pride and, yeah. and how you had dealt with it in, in ministry years ago. 
and you you and warned, today yeah and today, <laughs> today yeah. and and you warned about how easy it is for spiritual pride to to kind of creep up on people that are in ministry pastors yeah anybody really but but especially if you're in the ministry at any level spiritual pride is one of those things that can creep up on you and come come at you in a blind spot and you have no idea yeah, that it's there. it's always lurking in the background right. to any minister what what are some things that that cause pastors to fall into spiritual pride well human nature is probably at the core of that our sin nature but you know, if you just get a lot of good compliments, you right. know, you, you can easily get puffed up by that and think it's you, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you, I did a good job. So today. we just need to stop complimenting you. As we, <laughs> yeah. It's a tricky line, right? Uh, because if you don't, uh, my insecurity is going to kill me. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but <laughs> so now, see, now I got to do a follow up podcast about insecurity. Yeah, so. yeah, pastors' insecurities. But, but on, but on the other side of that, you have, you have the compliments that you take wrong and you begin to think it's you. Right. You know, I'm one of those guys that believe with all my heart, apart from Christ, I can do nothing. So when somebody compliments a sermon I preached, I know it's Christ in me. It's not me. You know, I, I love the Richard and Dick Hoyt uh, story, the the video of the crippled young, the boy that was crippled all his life and his dad ran in marathons with him in a wheelchair. It's a right. magnificent story. If some of you pastors had not used that before, it's fantastic. But it, it, when he ran the triathlon in Hawaii that year, when they crossed the line after hours and hours and oh, yeah. hours Several of hours. swimming, running, and biking, when they crossed the line uh, and the finish line and the cripple boy in the chair, crippled man in the chair, uh, Richard has got his hands, you know, curled up from their, from his, they're curled up in, in a fist and he's holding him up like he's won like he's some won. great yeah. race. <laughs> when in truth, he never swam a lap. He never pedaled one pedal. He never jogged one deal. He sat in a chair the whole time. I think when I get to heaven, it's exactly how it's going to feel when I look at Christ. And and all this stuff around me is, hey, thanks for helping me know the truth. Thanks for discipling me. Thanks for teaching me this. Thanks for you know sharing the gospel with me. I'm going to go, hey, it wasn't me. I'm the guy in the wheelchair. It was all him. Apart from Christ, I can do nothing. And I think ministers have to get that bond servant mentality so we don't let, you know, congregations mess with our minds, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they come to me for advice, sure. you know, well, I'm almost 60 years old. So I've got some experience and I've got some scriptural knowledge because I've spent a long time in the word. Right. So I get that. But when I give them good advice, it's not my advice, right? It's God's advice. And I've got to not take credit for that myself. That's a very slippery place. Uh, ministers can can begin to believe you have no needs. Like, oh, I've got this. I'm good. You know, I understand how to do all this. Man, that's really, really dangerous. dangerous. Really, really dangerous. But it's real simple. I know we can sit here and say it's really dangerous, but it's really simple. Yeah. As a senior minister with, you know, 30, 40 years of ministry, you go, oh, I understand everything I need to understand now. Right. You know, that's a dangerous place to be. Um, it's not that I don't have experience and not that I haven't learned a lot. But I've made a lot of mistakes, and there's a lot of mistakes left in me. Right, and I have to look to Christ. So, so I I think that's where you were talking about the blind spots. I think that's where we can be blinded really easily. How do you stay on guard against that? I think it's accountability with your elders mm-hmm. and reminding yourself. Memorize John fifteen five or six. You know, apart from Christ, I can do nothing. Yeah, keep that at the forefront. <laughs> apart from Christ, I can do nothing. And yep. nothing I do is of any good if it's not with Christ. Yeah, because if those blind spots are there, there you've got to have a way to guard to, to, to guard against it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and we have we have to be willing to preach 
Christ crucified and then humble ourselves as servants to our people. And the the, the tendency for pastors, we, we were just talking about this at the table with these other pastors. I was talking with them the other, the other uh, Saturday at a prayer time with some really great men of our city that were, were praying for church revival. And we're just trying to minister to each other in a room full of pastors. Well, how can we make this group needs to get bigger? We were saying this group of ministers accountable to one another needs to get bigger. Well, how do we make it get bigger? Well, let's just all invite, you know, five or six or 10 more guys to it each. And next week we'll have 70 something people here. Well, we won't, you know, now we got to have a room. Right. So whose church, whose church gets to do that. And then who, and I just ask him, I said, guys, who gets to lead that meeting? Because the guy that gets to lead, all the rest of us are going to go, how come he got to lead? Yeah. And I said, that's just the nature in me wanting me to be important sure. in a meeting where I'm talking about not being important. Exactly. So <laughs> it's so dangerous. And, yeah. and that's a room full of pastors, well, that, by the that's way. That's where the hypocrisy not, comes in. Yeah, we're not talking about a room full of you know yeah. politicians. Yeah, this well, was a room full of then pastors. You, then you'll have great illustrations about... Pharisaical hypocrisy. And we we sat there and I addressed all of that. So, so you know, just kind of to close out with you, I just want the ministers, all you ministers are listening, please spend enormous amounts of time. I mean, big blocks of time, hours and hours and hours studying the Bible for yourself. Don't take somebody else's stuff. Don't preach a Spurgeon sermon if you didn't prepare yourself for that. Right. You can use Spurgeon. You know, don't go get Max Lucado's latest book and preach it as it's as if it's yours. As much as we love Max Lucado, hey, no kidding, he's great, he's fantastic. Do you want to uh, mention this here at the end? This purity of doctrine, purity and doctrine issue from Titus two seven about studying the Word for hours. Yeah, I mean that's that's the whole thing. That's is, the whole point. Is is when you when you dive into the Word, you know, Titus two seven says young men are to have purity in their doctrine. Right. And it means to teach without decaying it into the word purity. There is about not letting it decay like a corpse (laughs) over time. It's a nasty, ugly word. So, but but how that how you how you decay a sermon, how you how you make a sermon mixed with decay is you bring worldly stuff into scriptural principles. Exactly, and you try to mix the two. Um, And I just I think that's real unhealthy. It's why I think every sermon you preach should be Bible heavy. Sure. I mean, Bible sure. heavy, heavy, heavy. Um, that's one of the things that we get accused of a lot here. Oh yeah, and y'all, yeah. y'all teach a lot of Bible. Well, and I, like, and well. I, well, and I put the uh, well, first of us. all, first of all, our our local church here in Mobile is a Bible church. So, you know, but I put your sermon notes together on the screens every week, and you know, you'll have parenthetical citations, you know, like crazy for a um, mile. Yeah, yeah, for a mile. So sometimes taking up the entire slide. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but um, but but. You know, how can, we, we we joke about that. We're a Bible church, but aren't all good churches Bible, Bible churches? churches. They so should be. I don't care if it doesn't say Bible on the the sign. Does it have to do with what you're preaching? Exactly. In exactly. the pulpit, you should have one and use it. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, so to wrap out here, tell me how pastors then, based on what you were just talking about there, uh, studying the Word for hours, how how can they practically carve out some time? Give, give them you as a seasoned pastor. How can they carve out time in their week to to do that at that level? I mean that's a probably a one-on-one counseling. Because you're somebody, talking, if, you're talking about skipping the golf time, the TV time. Well, I'm that. talking. I'm talking about if you haven't put 15 or 20 hours into your sermon. Right. Now I'm a C student, so there's probably some you know really smart A students that can do it in t- 10, sure, 12. But but I think you're cheating if you haven't put 
15 hours into meditating and working on the passage you're preaching coming up Sunday. Right. And obviously you get ahead of those. I, I've already prepared the next three lessons in Timothy so I can be meditating on them as the weeks come up. Right. Right. Um, and they, and they'll morph, they'll change as the weeks come up. The, the stuff that's in them will begin to change. But it's already, the foundation's already been studied. I spent hours studying it, you know, uh, several months ago. I studied chapter six of Timothy and laid the foundation. So there's a few hours. Right. But then coming into the sermon itself, I'm going to spend another 10 hours trying to be sure it's exactly what God wants me to say to the people. Not what I want to say, not what feels good, but what God wants me to say. And then I'm going to make sure somewhere in there, I'm going to figure out a way to preach Christ and Him crucified. That's excellent. So our next sermon's about godliness. You know, men of the church, people of the church are to pursue godliness. Why? Because Christ died on the cross to save you from your impurities. It all comes back your, to that. Your ungodliness was died for. So the cross is why you want to pursue godliness and nothing else. Don't pursue anything else but what Christ died for. That's excellent. That's a great point. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Rescuing Churches. We hope that you found all the content and dialogue helpful and inspiring. As always, if you'd like to give us some thoughts and feedback on the show, we'd love to hear from you at 601-909-0614, or you can email us at 614-rebuild at gmail.com. You can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 614-rebuild.